listening to the Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast, hosted by J.J. Duke, an all-access pass to Fairfield University Lacrosse. And welcome back to the latest edition of the Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast. We took a little hiatus last week as we do not actually have a broadcast in the stag sports network however we're in spring break for fairfield university but that does not mean that we're going to be on a break any longer it's the second half of the podcast season episode number nine and it seems like it's been a minute since we've had andy copeland here with us but cope uh you guys have been playing your socks off over the last couple of weeks figuratively and well literally speaking Coming up this Saturday against Villanova, this is the seventh game at a 22-day stretch. So have you gotten sleep and have the team actually gotten out of bed because they got to be banged up? Yeah, I don't know who the heck put together that schedule, but we'll uh... – I give the guys a lot of credit. It's been uh, it's been a trying time on a number of different levels, and the the, the quick turnarounds forced some you know forced some real real preparation um, from the guys, and I, I think they've handled it with maturity, and uh, they've actually played some decent balls of late. So I'm proud of them. Yeah, it's where you know you win three straight coming into this Villanova game, Bryant, Utah, and NJIT just a couple nights ago, for that matter. But you know, you talked about how this kind of stretch you don't have much time to think about what happened in the past you just play you get up the next morning you watch a little film and you go after it does it help almost as an athlete not to think too much about what has happened in the past and just only staying laser focused ahead on the next game yeah I think there's absolutely some merit to that and I uh, I mean that was kind of our message coming off of both the uh, the Rutgers and the Georgetown losses were that uh, you know we kind of had the opportunity to, to play again on Tuesday which sometimes can be a really good thing just just quickly turn the page and flush whatever happened good bad ugly indifferent doesn't make a difference just flush it and move on to, to, to the next one and I think our guys have had the ability to do that and let's face it in sports it's not easy to strain together good performance after performance and get result after result so three wins in a row right now and um, not kind of going big picture here but if you had to pinpoint one or two things that you've seen during the stretch that they've played really well and and like at least exceeded what the expectations were what has it been uh i i guess the one area i'd point to is is the two overtime wins where i just uh i i felt like a real uh kind of calm presence from our guys in those situations and you you don't always get that like sometimes it can be too emotional and you can you can panic a little bit uh you know you cannot rely on your execution you just kind of like like hope that that things work out and and in both of those cases i give our guys a ton of credit because they just uh they they just executed their way into one goal overtime victories and uh, and that's a that's a real 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 positive thing. I mean, you, we we both kind of know what CAA lacrosse is, and I, I I wouldn't be surprised to be in a couple more of those uh, highly contested one goal games, overtime games, and just uh, you know being able to point back to that experience, I think is certainly a positive. Yeah, you know, let's circle back to that first of the two overtime games game against Bryant. This one came after. Uh, not a great performance, candidly, against Georgetown, giving up 19 goals at home. So you come back out a couple days later. Bryant, for those who have not seen that group play before, that is a quality club that they got out there. A couple of really good scores. You go up there on a noon on Tuesday, frigid cold in Smithfield, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have a nice little start to the game. You had a lead carried into the third quarter, and then all of a sudden, Bryant just goes on a barrage goal scoring. They score, I think it was four of the last five, no, excuse me, five of the last six goals coming up to the four-minute mark. You talk about the calm 
that you had your group come in through uh, through those two overtime games, but it really wasn't anything but calm up until that four-minute mark. You call a timeout, I think, about two minutes or so left to go in that quarter. What did you tell your guys trailing by one? Yeah, I think at that moment uh, we had kind of given up a three-goal lead. You know, we kind of probably had those guys on the ropes and give give them a ton of credit. They 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 certainly didn't didn't quit and they uh, they flipped it on us pretty good. So, um, you know, we came out of that timeout with a plan offensively. That plan didn't end up uh, working out. Uh, and then I think it was out of one of their timeouts with maybe 15, 20 seconds left. Honestly, Dylan Beckwith right now is our best player, our best athlete, so we tried to not really overcomplicate things. It was just let's get the ball in this kid's stick and see what he can do. He ended up getting a really good shot off, and I think he ended up throwing the game-tying assist uh, you know, on a through ball to Taylor Strau, who made a play. So uh, that certainly wasn't coaching. That was just two of our better players making uh, making a play when we needed them to. And then uh, and then Taylor hit the game winner again from from senior captain Brendan Quinn uh, in in overtime. So uh, all credit goes to those guys. Yeah, and Stroud specifically. I mean, first off, have we ever put a gun on him before? Because he might have one of the hardest shots I have ever seen. He nearly ripped the net off in that game tying goal. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he's a powerful kid. He's he's two-handed. Uh, he can certainly stretch the field, and it 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 helps to to have a guy like him. And you know, Travis Ford's in that category too. Dylan Beckwith, I think, is a stretch shooter, and uh, and Bryant in particular. They you know they played a steady diet of zone, so sometimes you need some of those those zone busters, the, the guys from thirteen, fourteen yards that can can it. And, uh, and 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 on that that day, that was the case. I mean, I think Taylor walked off the field with six goals, and um, yeah, he's a he's an impressive shooter for sure. We're going to talk about the poise that he shows in just a moment here because then we flash forward uh, to Friday, that game against Utah, and another nail-biter that goes down to it. And, you know, the first time home game under the lights since the uh, end of the 2017 season, it was a really good game. You know, not a lot of people knew what Utah had coming in club team and an exceptional club team uh, now in their first years of varsity program and they certainly show that this is down the road a very capable and maybe even an NCAA tournament team uh, especially with a very strong attacking line yeah they're they're great I mean they're they're playing with a ton of that kind of year one energy right now uh, quality coaching staff that has those guys believing and that's a that's a pretty cool storyline uh, what they've been able to accomplish in their first year. So we knew how talented they they, they, they were, uh, whether or not others did or the guys outside of our locker room did. I mean, that's not really our concern. But uh, but our guys had a ton of respect for those guys. We knew it was going to be an absolute dogfight, and uh, and we rose to the challenge. It, uh, it, it, it wasn't pretty. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, certainly ugly at times. But, um, you, you know, we, we, we talk sometimes about just embracing that role of just, it's just the ugly duckling. Like, you just need to kind of keep your focus on the next play and just grinding it out. And, uh, you know, an ugly win is certainly better than a, than a pretty loss. So we'll, uh, we'll take it. That, that you did. And you talk about, you know, just kind of grinding moments out. So team trail 7-4, about two and a quarter left in the third. Big momentum switch was Frankie Labetta getting a FOGO goal in the third of his season. Now, I know you said at the beginning of the year this might be a guy that he's going to be strong at the faceoff, and then he will be a little bit more of a defensive-minded player, maybe held back a little bit. But all of a sudden, he's just turned around the screws, and he looks locked in in the last couple of games. And FOGO goals, they can be one of those big momentum switches, and then all of a sudden, you guys go on a roll right after it. 
Sure, yeah, it's funny with the face-off stuff. Is sometimes when the face-off guy has the ball in his stick, uh, you know, other teams will, will extend on everybody else and try to create a turnover there. And in Frankie's case, he's athletic enough to absorb some of that. So so when he has a lot of space, it doesn't make a difference if he's matched up against their number one defenseman. He's athletic enough and skilled enough to try to win that matchup and get on top of the cage. And that's uh, that's ultimately what happened and uh, certainly a huge, a huge momentum uh, shift, as you mentioned. Looking at his development at the faceoff dot, this is his first year taking uh, the X for you guys. How has he gone about his business this year, growing from that opening day to really becoming one of the best in, in the league? Yeah, he, he's just a grinder. He, he, just, he, he shows up every day. He brings it. He understands that that uh, you know winning is a byproduct of, of the work that you're ultimately putting in on a daily basis. So he kind of embraces that mantra and uh, – I mean, I think earlier in one of these podcasts, I was, you know, awfully complimentary of him just, just as, as who he is as a person. Um, but who, you know, who he is as a person and a player, really those things, those things parallel each other. He's just, uh, he, he's a wonderful human being. So now we go into overtime of that game. And at this point, you're probably thinking, how much hair do I have left? You know, overtime. It's going quick, back, my friend. Back it's going to, quick. Back to back overtimes, man. That's not easy. But then I always think it. you learn so much about a team. You talk about that calm. Travis Ford has this knack for stepping up in the right times. He did it a couple of times last year, the Hofstra game, most notably. He scores the winner against Utah. He obviously had the game winner against uh, Bryant with Strau. So with those two guys in particular, are they just cool characters that almost live for this moment? Yeah, I think I, I think they fall into that category. I mean, they you know they they've they've played a lot of lacrosse, right? So they uh, I mean Taylor Strau in high school won won a couple state championships and. Travis Ford came from a really good program there too. They made a run in the states, and uh, you know Travis had the winner last year against Hofstra. So I just you, you kind of know know the guys on your team, and you know the guys who who just you know kind of have ice in their veins d- d- during some situations like that. So um, I was not surprised to see those guys both have the winners, uh, but I, I was proud in particular of of the Utah one because we we didn't call a timeout because they saw the ball first when we had a man up where we got a pretty good shot off in regulation kid just made a save so tip your hat to him but we had to get a stop first and we came out of that with with a set piece that we wanted to go to trying to get Travis hands free and and the guys executed under some real some real pressure there so uh, give the guys a ton of credit and Travis with his hands free can be a dangerous thing but he didn't get cute he just shot the ball very fundamentally sound and was able to get one by a really good goalkeeper I certainly set the mood because I mean you know there's a good crowd that night they're very vocal throughout and there's a nice explosion from you know the fans in the stands just one of those that you know you look to and say hey is this going to be that moment that's going to carry us I personally thought that that was a nice game from you guys and might be one of those you know this that past week actually two litmus tests that as you said you might see come again in a week or two yeah, well, we talked uh, we talked pre Utah, um, and it's it, look, it's an embarrassing stat, but it, it had been like it had been like like a thousand and eight days. I, I think I ran the numbers, but it had been a thousand and eight days since this program had been uh, had had an above five hundred record, and that that was that was that was frustrating, obviously, for all of us involved. But we talked about kind of that tipping point and that inflection point, getting getting above five hundred, and then just making sure that all kind of the nonsense from the past couple of years is in the rearview mirror, and it can just be onward and upward. So I give the guys a ton of credit for just uh, seeing that through, and then taking care of business on Tuesday, and now obviously on the horizon. We got a we got a challenge on Saturday and then in the conference play, but uh, I also think that we have improved from start to, to kind of where we are right now. So 
that's been the messaging. Yeah, and you mentioned that game on Tuesday away to NJIT at their uh, temporary home at Rutgers Newark before they finish off their new digs, and they're actually going to be joining a conference starting next year. That NEC conference is going to be a monster league. I think, what, 10 teams now starting next year? Yeah, with- it's, it's 10, 11. It's going to have a little bit of that Patriot League feel, but there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a number of quality ball clubs there too. Yeah, so that's going to be fun to keep an eye on. But what I loved from that game, NJIT, you got production and offensive numbers coming from 11 different players players getting either a goal or assist you know you teams pride themselves sometimes not having just that one or two focal goal scores you can have weapons from all over the field and it was great to see you know it's not just one or two guys not just Beckwith Stroud Ford it was so on and so forth everybody kind of chipping in on the night yeah definitely and I, I, was, I was proud of a lot of those guys I mean you know Matt Sharp stepped up uh, Sharp stepped up uh, Cole Barnard stepped up Jack Brennan stepped up I mean Brian Rita we brought him in through the midfield I thought he played a good game um, obviously our alphas kind of continued to perform but Adam Aronowitz, Trevor Ford late. I mean, we got contributions from a lot of different guys. And I, I think when we have been able to do that, and that's kind of been the, the uh, kind of the dynamic of the team, those those teams have tended to perform a little bit better over time. So that that's the hope. And I think also for some of those guys that you mentioned, getting rewarded for all the hard work that they put in practice every day. So, you know, some of the fans might, might not see it when it comes to game time, but all of a sudden they get their time to shine and, and they took it. Yeah, definitely. And I was, I mean, I, I, I was honestly, I was pretty nervous going into that one because those, those Tuesday games can be trap games if just mentally there's a little bit of immaturity or guys aren't completely dialed in. And I didn't think we had a particularly great warm up. So, uh, you know, we had some pretty just, just direct words with our guys going into the game. But then at the end of the first quarter, I think it was seven nothing. So the guy certainly answered the bell there. And, uh, and I was proud of him having that. I mean, I don't know if it's a killer instinct or what, but just having the ability to, to kind of put a team away uh, is a is a that's the sign of a team that's improving. So that that certainly is, I think, where where we're at. Absolutely. Now, as we sense the locker room here gearing up to this last non-conference game against Villanova, how how is that group right now? It's as I said at the top, it's not easy stringing together three wins in a row, three good performances in a row. Where are they right now? Do they feel like they can go make it four for four this weekend against Nova? I certainly hope so. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, kind of well, well, losing can become contagious. I also think winning can become contagious, too. So I think the guys the guys have enjoyed winning. Uh, you know, those bus rides home uh, are, are a heck of a lot more fun. Guys have just enjoyed each other's company. I think they understand, you know, the work that goes into winning a single lacrosse game nowadays and how challenging that is. So they're willing to, to, to prepare uh, the right way. Um and I think we're going to be ready for Saturday. I mean, I, 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 you know, this this Villanova team is is a lot better than their record would indicate right now. So we have a ton of respect for them. But uh, you know, we're also just making sure that it's another quick turnaround. So you know, we got to handle our, our our guys' recovery and our preparation appropriately. But I think we're going to get a good effort out of them. Well, for those who want to obviously come out Saturday afternoon, one o'clock against Villanova, will be at Rafferty Stadium. For those who cannot make it, of course, on the Stag Sports Network on the Fairfield University Athletics Facebook page. Before you step out here, two guys I'd love to hear a few thoughts from, and actually we're going to have the chance to hear from one of them in just a moment. First, though, Dylan Beckwith, you talk about an alpha. This is a guy, if you look up and down the entire NCAA and ask, okay, which guys are in form right now? Who's coming in? day in day out getting the job done Dylan Beckwith is coming into his own this season already you know upwards of 40 points on the campaign before NCAA play he's registered five or more points five times this season what has he done and that is because clearly it has worked this year 
Yeah, I mean he's 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 our he's our best player certainly. Um, I, I I just think it's a combination of being being really competitive, being really athletic, uh, loving lacrosse, and uh, and just understanding how to how to compete. Um, so he's uh he's our guy right now. I mean we well, we know that we're not gonna you know make any bones about that. But but our our opponents know that as well. So they're obviously putting a lot of stock into trying to come up with plans to to, to contain two two. But uh, but we got a lot of faith in him. He uh, he's 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 been nothing short of exceptional. And another guy that's been exceptional this season, his first season in college lacrosse, is the man in between the pipes. It's James Corsiniti, who we'll chat to in a moment. But you know he's feeling. It looks like he's looking more comfortable every game that he steps onto the field after coming in in relief against St. Joe's, picking up that dramatic win against Sacred Heart on the road. You know this is a guy that you know. He could be the not to say could be the future, but the future is also right now, and he's certainly living up to a bill. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head in just just him him looking comfortable. I mean, we, we feel the same way. He's a he's a cool cucumber. Doesn't get too high. Doesn't get too low. Uh, he's steady. He's dependable. The guys compete very hard in front of him, and I just like his I, I like his whole demeanor and what he's all about. So uh, he he definitely has uh, has solidified the the starting job right now. Well, you set the table. We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll have James Corsonetti chat with us here on the Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast. And welcome back uh, to this episode of the Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast. JJ Duke again with you. As we heard from Coach Copeland, now we hear from this young man who has stepped in and done an outstanding job between the pipes this year, product at a Fordham Prep right in the heart of Manhattan, New York City. James Corsiniti, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's certainly it's a challenge when you step in as a freshman coming into collegiate lacrosse. You had an interesting situation. Your first game coming in relief in a game that really didn't have the greatest scoreline in the world. It was against St. Joseph's. You came in right before halftime. Team was already giving up 10 goals. It's one of those where the pressure was off for you a little bit, and you had a chance to kind of express yourself. Take us through what that relief appearance was like. Um, i just say I um, thought uh, it was a little tough, um, but as again, as you said, I felt like there was a uh, – how do I put it? Um, there was no pressure. Uh, there was just kind of like there was no way I could possibly lose that. I felt that I could um, just do my best, try to help the team as much as I could. Uh, everyone seemed um, – excited for me coaches players so I uh it wasn't terrible I think the first the first I had my first shot was for a save and that uh kind of boosted me and made me feel a little more comfortable in that after that and then uh game went on and we played uh unfortunately we lost but uh I felt that it it was a it was a good showing could have been better but we do what you can it was one of those things when we're looking from the broadcast perspective and we're thinking to ourselves Okay, this young man right here, he looks calm. You know, he doesn't look like someone that has just come in and, you know, trying to figure out the situation. You looked, you know, composed in there. As you said, you give up a couple of goals, but you also made a couple of stops. So when you take that going into your next game, um, you got the start against Sacred Heart. Tough team, good team. Um, but again, just another day where you stepped up to the plate. Take us through that one. Uh, that one, I felt a little more pressure. Uh, wasn't the same as St. Joe's. Uh, that one I actually was starting. Uh, felt that I needed to step up. Uh, they were a good team. We uh, we were all looking for a win, away game, as you'd say. Uh, but it was uh, that one I felt a little more unsettled. Uh, 
Uh, once I got in, though, first shot against their best player, uh, he, had a, he had a good shot, but I, I saved it, and I felt that that was a good stepping stone for me, and I just kept going with it. Almost don't remember half the game. You kind of just sometimes get so zoned in that uh, stuff just happens and it falls in place, and uh, that's how I felt. It felt it was a very strong game, and I uh, again, it was good. Tell us about that zone because, you know, you don't get many people to talk about what it's like being a goalie in lacrosse. It's not a fun position to play, but when you're locked in, what goes on through your mind? Uh, honestly, anything. Anything can literally go through your mind at a time. Uh, you can be trying to focus on the ball at a given moment. Uh, sometimes I'll even be thinking about, like, maybe even food afterwards. Like, just anything could go through my head, but for some reason you're just still in the zone seeing the ball. But, uh, yeah, so I felt that everything was just falling into place. Uh, yeah, I was more focused on the ball at that moment than food. But <laughs> uh, I mean, what did you eat after the game? Uh, what did we have? Uh, I think it was – I think I had mac and cheese. Frankie's go. mom – Frankie Labetti's mom's mac and cheese, and it's very good. Outstanding. Well, maybe we might have to get a, a, a sample <laughs> at some point. Yes. There you go. Uh, you talked about in that – the lead-up to that week, maybe a little bit uneasy going in. At what point did you find out that you were going to get the start for that game, and how, like, were you prepared mentally for it? I think it was it was either Wednesday or Thursday after practice, and honestly, I tried to not let myself think about it. Kind of just wanted to approach it like it was just another high school game. So I think like being a senior in high school, you've done it so many times; it's just another game. You don't even you're not, sometimes you're not even thinking about the game that day. So my Friday night, I think it was, I like tried to promise myself to not think about the game at all and just enjoy what was going on like going to get food with friends everything just being in the moment and not trying to let the game get on my nerves and then once uh saturday morning came it was game time awesome that's that's such a great approach i think people out there listening should you know kind of take note of that a little bit because yeah you know you have season entire year in front of you but it's about the little things and I know that's what your coach talks about often is just you know prepare for the moment live in the moment and certainly you're doing that this year and as we go through on this campaign now you're getting more settled into the job and understanding what it's like transitioning from high school to college but what is it really like I know it's a faster game but for you specifically you're seeing some of the best shooters week in week out yeah, I'd say it's a it's a lot faster of a game. I can tell you the my first practice, uh, my uh, high school coach told me all it's all about just trying to keep your head afloat in the first week, and uh, I thought he was joking a little bit. And then the first practice was one of the most uh, crazy things I've ever experienced. The ball's just flying around. It's so much more fast paced. But now I feel like it's I've kind of gotten settled in, as you said, uh, through the fall and through half the spring. Now I mean we're halfway through the season. So we are. I'm feeling a little more comfortable. I think the upperclassmen are helping me through it as well. They're being very supportive of it. Uh, they're just helping me as. I mean, I'm a, I'm a freshman, as you'd say. So just helping me in any way they can. Who is the one that you've been kind of leaning to, if there have been, just to kind of pick their brains a little bit about this sport at the college level? Uh, I don't know if there's particularly anyone specific, but I'd say the defense as a whole sure. is helping me. I think that they're being. Uh, if they if there's a mistake on defense, we all huddle in. They'll uh, tell me like we'll all go through what we felt was wrong, uh, how we can be better, and then if it's my fault, I'll let them know that that was me. They can't they could they couldn't do anything better than they did. So then they'll just be supportive and be like, next one, you're good. Just yeah, for, for sure. And how you know 
this sport, obviously, and now with the shot clock coming in, too, you talk about the transition from playing at Fordham, and I did say that Manhattan, it's in the Bronx. That's <laughs> my horrific mistake, my goodness. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things where you played a top-quality program, didn't have the shot clock. Now, all of a sudden, you come to this level, and it's not only the fact that the game is changing. You said it's fast. Well, it got faster coming into the season and trying to balance all that, but um, – you have to have short-term memory because you're going to give up goals, your fair share of them. But then, you know, we look back to a couple of those moments where hey, the Utah game coming up with a couple of key saves, the Bryant game, couple of key saves in there. How do you build off of that, knowing that, all right, I'm going to see another shot and I've got to be the one that steps up? Um, I mean, say, I mean, I'd just say just seeing the ball. That's honestly the biggest part of it, just getting the ball to hit you or to hit your stick in any way possible. Uh, not even thinking about what's next, just focusing that there's the ball can't go in the back of the net. And if it does, then you, you got to get the next one. And for there's sure. nothing you can do about the past one. For sure. As we look through the season, what's been the favorite moment for you thus far? I mean, everyone would – I'd probably say the assist. The, oh, yeah. the assist was probably one of my favorite parts and also the the Utah leg uh, clearing it over the midfield line. I've always enjoyed using my legs a little bit and uh, – Everyone wants me to score. Always, They always want me to try to score. My dad's a big wanting me to score, but I understand that it's not one of those moments in college. But here's the thing now. It's the shot clock. <laughs> the shot clock. All of a sudden, you know, I was talking about this with a few people. It was so rare to see goalies get points. It might be one goalie across all three divisions in NCAA that might get a point. All of a sudden now, it's becoming a thing where the it keeper has. might have to leg it a little bit, and then all of a sudden – your opposition, your counterparts out of the net, yep. might as well have a go. So have the coaches kind of worked with you about something like this? Uh, we have not. Um, okay. I have i don't think they want me particularly maybe going for goal yet. Uh, maybe in the future we could work something out, but uh, I don't think at this moment we would uh, be focused. I think that assist was enough for us for uh, right now. I mean, it came at such a crucial moment, though, because, all right, so we flash back to that Utah game. You know, this was one when I talked with Coach Copeland about, you know, this is a quality club in Utah, obviously coming from the club game. Now they're, you know, going to be a team that not only is going to be competing, but they could be down the road competing for a national championship. You guys are down 9-8 late in the, or late in the fourth quarter. You only had, I think, goodness, what, a second or two to get it the clear. You find somehow popping through a double, you know, double coverage, Dylan Beckwith, and it comes to be a perfect pass. He scores. Everyone just goes berserk in the stands. But what do you see in a moment like that? Also knowing the back of your mind, I got to get the ball across the timeline. Yeah, so I uh, at that moment, uh, Reese's was rolling back, and I saw the shot clock, and I knew at that moment that we, uh, we just say send it to the corner. Yep. So I saw Beckwith in the corner, and uh, he always tells me throw it, throw it up to him and he'll get it. And uh, that's exactly what happened. I threw it up to him with a second left, and he got it, and it turned into something more than I could ever imagine. But that was, uh, that was a great play, and I thought that that was actually uh, – that really helped us build it going into overtime and uh, everything. That really helped us build up to that. So And now building into the last non-conference game of the season, Villanova, yeah. a team that got to the NCAA tournament last year before – CAA play begins. What are you hoping now from this game as you build on to getting into conference play? Uh, I'd, I'd really love to see the team come out with the win. I think we are definitely capable of it. I think the ball movement's been a lot faster. I think the defense has been flying around much more. Uh, less um, hesitation, I'd yep. say. I think everyone in the beginning of the year was a little um, hesitant to get out there. 
but I think now everyone's gotten a little more comfortable in the season, sure. uh, just as just as I have. And I think the ball movement's much better. I think that the defensive play's much better, talking everything's up. So I'd really like to see us uh, come out with Villanova home win going into conference play. Which is going to be a massive one because it's the first of a three-game home stretch with Delaware and Towson on the horizon. Yes. James, appreciate the time. You've done outstanding. Just keep it up. Thank you, sir. All right, so that was James Corsonetti here with us. That's going to do it for this episode of the Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast. Make sure uh, to stay tuned with us on social media. You can go to at Fairfield Stags, at Stags Men's Lacrosse, and, of course, as well, at Stags Women's Lax. Um, make sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes by following and subscribing to the Stags Sports Network. That's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in. J.J. Duke signing off, and as always, go Stags. The Inside Fairfield Lacrosse Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For all information related to Fairfield Lacrosse, log on to fairfieldstags.com.